good afternoon. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to resume our study of the book of Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 6. And we're going to be beginning with verse 31 today. But before we begin, or should I say continue with our study of Mark chapter 6, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We want to remember prayer requests. Your prayer requests, if you have any. And if you want to post them, feel free to do so. We do realize that some of you may have uh, items on your heart that you wish to remain unspoken because of the sensitivity of them to you or to others. We want to respect that. We, we, we do respect that. But we do also want to know that you need to uh, you need to, to make it known to us you have a prayer request so we can join with you in prayer. So with that said, I want to give you a moment. Share your prayer request. Share your need for a prayer request, if you will. Because prayer is a very powerful thing. It is a very, very powerful tool that the child of God has to stay in touch with the Lord, to stay in communication. The Lord talks to us through His Word and through the Holy Spirit, but we in turn have the privilege of coming to the Lord in prayer to share with Him what is on our heart, our burdens, our convictions, our struggles, things that are near and dear to us. Now the Lord knows that there's something special, something special in the life of a believer who will share their heart with the Lord, knowing He's already aware that there is such a peace, such an understanding that comes with sharing with the Lord, with our Redeemer, with our Savior. With that said, let's begin our service tonight. Let's open with a word of prayer. If you would join me, please. Lord God, as we bow before you this evening, we come, Heavenly Father, with, with cheer and joy in our heart. Lord, we also come knowing that there are burdens that are abounding in our lives. We all have something that is that, that we're struggling with. Something that is sensitive in our lives. Maybe it is a sickness. Maybe it is a bereavement. And Heavenly Father, maybe we are grieving some, some circumstance or situation. And Heavenly Father, maybe we are just carrying a burden over this nation, over the world that we live in. Lord, maybe we're carrying a burden of sin in our life. Heavenly Father, whatever it might be, you know about it. Lord, right now as I'm coming to you, I'm asking that you would convict in the hearts and the lives of those listening. Lord, you would convict us to share and to do so boldly that you could move in our hearts and you could open up uh, a pathway into our lives. Heavenly Father, you could touch, you could touch our lives, and we could touch heaven with the needs that are closest to us. Lord, I pray tonight for our nation, and Heavenly Father, I pray for those within our nation who have lost loved ones. I pray, Lord, for the those who are struggling with the COVID virus. Heavenly Father, I pray that scientists that are working 
still deal with this virus and the physicians and the caregivers. I pray for your hand to be upon their lives. Heavenly Father, I pray for a renewal across this land. Some call it an awakening. Some call it a revival. Some call it a renewing. Lord, we need you. America needs you. A healthy dose and reality of God's word poured out into our lives that we would humble ourselves. Not to an individual. Not to a denomination. Heavenly Father, we would humble ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. We would bow to Him as our Lord and Savior. We would call upon Him to redeem us of our sin. We would ask for sincere and genuine grace to be poured out upon our lives. And we would beg and plead for His mercy upon our sinful lives. Lord, we need that tonight. Not only in this nation, but we need it around the world. I pray for that. I pray for that in the lives of those that are watching or listening. Lord, I pray for that in the loved ones who, who are crying out to you right now, the brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray also for the message tonight. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would take this speaker, you would hide him behind the cross. I pray, Heavenly Father, that not me, but you would be seen. Not my words, but your words would be heard. That they would go out and they would accomplish only that which you have purposed them to do. They would not return to you, boy. Heavenly Father, they would bring back to you, Lord Jesus Christ, everything you have intended them to do. Lead, guide, and direct us in everything that's said and everything that's done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Turning with me to Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 31. Give you a little bit of a recap in case you were not with us in the last message. Jesus had sent his disciples out to preach and teach the Word of God. He had sent them uh, to, with the commission, to do His work and His Word. They have returned now. We're going to pick up on that. And we're going to move into and through one of the biggest miracles of Jesus's ministry and it was the feeding of the 5,000. So picking up with me in verse 31, let's hear what Mark has to say. And he, Jesus, said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest for a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew it, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and out and out went them, and came together unto them. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, 
and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far spent. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, and give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon green grass. And they sat down in ranks, by hundreds, and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to sit before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. So as I said, they have just returned, the disciples have just returned from preaching and teaching the word of God. They were tired. They were worn out. They uh, they they had been through a lot. They had a lot they wanted to tell Jesus, as as we all should. When we go and when we share the word of God, whether you're a preacher doing it from a pulpit, an evangelist, whether you're a witness, whatever the situation may be, when you're sharing the word of God and you're reaching and you're trying to make a connection in the lives of people you're trying to touch their hearts you want to come back when you're finished and you want to talk it over with the lord you want jesus to know now he already knows yes he does but just like with prayer there's something special something special about a servant being able to sit down at the feet of their master and talk to them about what they have been doing for the business of the master. There's something about sitting at the feet of Jesus and sharing with him how you feel, even though he already knows. Sharing with him how you feel about the work that you've been doing, the concerns that you have, wanting to know from Him where you failed, and maybe let Him down, where you succeeded. You want to know from His perspective how things have went. But you see, he wanted to go to a private place, so they left that ship. 
to go to a desert place, an area that doesn't have many inhabitants or many settlements, some place where they could sit down together. But there were so many there, it says that they ran afoot tither. In other words, they rushed on foot. Now I want you to get a picture going across the sea it's about four miles by shoreline it's about ten miles so these people were so excited to stay in the presence of the disciples and in the presence of the Lord they outran the ship or the boat they ran the ten miles of shoreline faster than the boat carrying the disciples and the Lord can make the four miles straight across water and they met them there. When people see and hear the genuineness of God's Word, they run to it. Now we live in a world today where we constantly hear about people who are abandoning church, who are not coming back to church, but uh, but the markets are, are full of people, uh, the public areas are full of people, the shopping centers are full of people. But when it comes to Sunday, the Lord's Day, the churches are empty. Now, I realize every pastor standing in a pulpit wants to say and wants to believe that they are proclaiming the inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God. And I'm not here to point a finger at no one to say they're not. But I will say this. Some of the public ministries, and I use that word loosely, that are out there right now, it's very, it's very obvious to see that their intention is not to preach and proclaim the Word of God. Their intention is to proclaim something that brings in gold and riches and materialism for their own personal needs. And that defaces, that defaces the genuine gospel. Some of you may be looking at me and saying, well, what about you? Why do you think we have switched to a 6.30 p.m. format on Facebook Live? Because if you have a home church, as I have said before, you should be in the home church. If you have a Sunday evening service in your home church, you should be in that home church. I worship with a group of believers. I worship with Blue Ridge Church here in Marion, North Carolina. I am there supporting that church and Pastor Steve Hawkins on Sunday morning. Currently, because of the COVID and because of those conditions and circumstances, 
we're not having a Sunday evening service. So I'm taking that time and that moment to do the Inspiring Word Bible broadcast. When the time comes and Blue Ridge Church has its own Sunday evening service, I will be there and this format will roll over to another time, to another time slot. Because the genuine gospel is what needs to be preached and proclaimed and with it the responsibility of the saints of God to be sitting in their home church. Now I realize with COVID and with other health conditions and circumstances inside of your life, there may be a reason why you can't be there. And we hope that you will join us on Sunday evenings. And we hope that God's Word will bless you through this ministry until such a time as you can be in your home church. You see, when the genuine gospel is preached with a genuine heart, with a genuine conviction, people go to it. Even the strongest working of the devil trying to squash it, trying to belittle it, trying to do all kinds of destruction and all kinds of harm to it, cannot harm the Word of God. It, it's been tried over the centuries. It has been tried. It has been set back only in the time that the Lord would allow it to. Then it has risen. The church has been persecuted into oblivion to the speak of and then it has risen mightily and powerfully and resurrected from the dead as to show the power and the might of the spoken word of God and people flocked to it in verse 34 we see a word there that is a word we don't hear a lot of genuinely today. We hear it splashed around a lot. We hear this word thrown around a, a whole lot politically, regardless of your beliefs, that is thrown around politically, it's thrown around socially, it is thrown around culturally. It is the word compassion. Compassion. In verse 34, it says, And Jesus, when he had came out, saw much people, came out of the boat, came out of the ship, and was moved with compassion toward them. Because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Jesus had compassion. He saw these people who had ran the shoreline. They were hungry for the Word of God. They were hungry for what He had to say to them. As a sheep not having a shepherd. They, had, they, were, uh, they were as animals wandering in the wild. Not having anyone to care for them. To protect them. Not having anyone to guide them. This was not a, a, a 
a way to condescend the people as comparing them to a doomed sheep. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying they lacked leadership. And Jesus had compassion. And despite the fact that the crowds had interrupted some much-needed rest, even some time to grieve the, uh, John the Baptist's death, Jesus was moved. He was deeply moved for their spiritual Jesus is moved for our spiritual need. Even preachers, pastors, evangelists, missionaries, elders, deacons, even, even us, we, we have a spiritual need. A deep, a deep, deep, deep spiritual need that only Jesus can meet. Friend, you're listening this afternoon. I want you to realize God knows your deepest spiritual need. And He is there ready to meet it with compassion. God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, has the grace and the mercy to meet that spiritual need, whatever it may be. Whether it's something in your own life, maybe it is some sin. Maybe it is that sin that easily besets you. Maybe, maybe it is the sin of loved ones. Maybe it is that loved one whom you fear is, uh, it doesn't have their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Uh, you're fearing that that they're not saved today. They're not born again. And that deep spiritual need is a crying out, wanting their salvation, wanting the Lord to reach and do a mighty work in their life. Maybe it is a plea in your own life for more grace, for mercy. Maybe you need to understand better the the, the idea and the scriptural teaching of general grace, saving grace, particular grace, and how they work in your life and how God uses them. Maybe you need a touch of mercy in your life. He knows what that really is. What that need is. to Jesus with it? Have you tried in faith to come to Him? Have you asked Him to share and to shed that grace in your life so that your faith is increased? You see, Jesus has compassion for those whom he has called. Does he have compassion for others? Yes, to a degree he does. 
but to those whom he has called. This compassion is set there for them, and it is given to us in today's scripture. Well, how do I know? How do I know if I am one of them that he has called? If you are attending the preaching of the word of God, and it is the really the inerrant, infallible, inspired word of God, it is genuine to the gospel, and it is giving you the compassion of the grace and the mercy of God, then you, you are sitting there in the middle of that calling, and the Holy Spirit wants you to recognize it right now. The Holy Spirit wants you to realize that you are sitting there right now experiencing the compassion of Christ. From that experience, Christ wants you to realize what He can really do in your life as far as feeding you. Here, Christ gave them the word. Teach them many things. It is a reference back to the Sermon on the Mount. It is a reference back to that period of time where he taught them there. You see, when, when he left there, Mark gives us an interlude of the of the death of John the Baptist. And now he picks back up on the realization of those people following Christ. Where he was going to get into the boat, he was going to go to the other side. They wouldn't leave him alone. They wanted more. So they followed him. And here Jesus has compassion. Here we see a pe people, the image of a people that is lacking the care of a good spiritual leader. And there are a lot of people today who are lacking the care of a good spiritual leader. There are a lot of people today who have questions that they cannot find an answer to. But they, and they need a good spiritual leader. Yes, it is Christ, but it is also the pointing of Christ where he can use another individual where Christ points out today his pastors, his preachers, his evangelists, his missionaries, his elders, his deacons. Just as he sent those disciples forward, he now calls them back, and they came back with a report to him. So now, just as they went out, now he there, there, there is a people who want the teaching of the Word of God, who want the preaching of the Word. That exists today. Friend, Christ has compassion for you. He has compassion for you. In verse 37, Jesus answers the disciples' statement. 
they they come to Jesus and they tell Jesus that it's getting late and we're out here in the middle of nowhere. And Lord, you need to send these people away so that they can go get them something to eat. They've got nothing. Send them away so they can find them a place to eat. And in verse 37, Jesus answered them and said, You give them something to eat. Actually, give ye them to eat. Jesus said, You feed them. Here there were thousands, possibly 10,000 or more men, women, and children. We do know 5,000 men. And here the disciples are sitting there, or the apostles are sitting there with the disciples that had just come back. None of them had eaten. They were all hungry. They didn't have just much money at all in their coffers. And they looked to Jesus and they said, Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? A question that they asked Jesus. So, here is a dilemma. The, the apostles or disciples, however we want to refer to them, the, the men of Christ and those that had been out, they had they come back, they were hungry too. They had compassion to a degree on the people. Compassion to tell the Lord to send them away. But when the Lord came down to them and said, Give ye them to eat. He put their disciples in the spot. Those, those men were sitting there, probably with their mouths hanging open, thinking, uh-oh, what do we do? How do we, how do we navigate this? We don't have enough money in the, in the treasury to, to buy all of these people something to eat. Even if, yeah, we don't want them to go hungry, but what can we do about it? Have you ever found yourself in that spot where the Lord placed you in a circumstance or in a situation for you to do something? And you're sitting there with your mouth hanging open and you're saying, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? Lord, what can I do? That's what our, that's where we are with the disciples right now. But you see, Jesus knew his disciples had absolutely no means of providing food for this size of the group. So he prompted them to seek all they needed from his all-sufficiency. To seek everything that they needed from the sufficiency of Christ. Now, if we go back through the other Gospels and we follow out this 
storyline. We read of a story of a little boy who has his uh, food with him. He has uh, bread and fishes with him, and, and they get the they get it from the little boy, and and, they, and that's all great. That's the details that kind of fill in the spots and, and give the full context of the story. But here, what I want you to see is regardless of whether you're reading it in the Gospel of Mark or of Luke or of Matthew or wherever, which Gospel it may be, it makes no difference. It is Christ prompting the disciples to seek all that they need from the sufficiency of Christ. That is Christ as the all-sufficient person. He is capable of meeting every need. He is omnipotent, he is omniscient, and he is he is all-knowing, all-giving. All, he is all of everything. All of everything. There is nothing greater than Christ. And Christ wanted these, wanted his disciples to experience it. Yes, he's told them. Yes, he has taught it. Yes, they have seen the many miracles up until this point. But at this point, he wants the disciples to experience this in their life. Now, with that said, think about your life. Now maybe you may need more time than just this message, but I want you to begin by thinking about your life and think about all of the times or the maybe just the one time, but think about your life and see if you can find that opportunity in there where Christ prompted you to seek everything that you needed from His sufficiency. And think about how you responded. Think about how you could have responded. And think about how you learned from it. Because what happens here is that this is a teachable moment. You see, you see, Christ takes this moment and he says, This is an opportunity for me to teach through experience to these disciples how they need to focus on handling life from this moment forward because after I am gone, after I am ascended into heaven, the only connection that I will have to them outside of my word will be prayer and their faith in me and Christ being the all-sufficient one to meet all of their needs. And that holds true in our lives as saints of God, as born-again children of God, this very same situation holds true. How often in your life has Jesus says, you give them something to eat? You meet that need. Even though you didn't have the resources to do it, just to have you come back to Him in order to provide what was necessary. So they they find the, the five the five loaves and the two fishes. And Christ tells them to sit down in the groups of fifty and one hundred. 
and he gets them set there, and then he takes them, and he looks up into heaven. In verse 41, he took the five loaves, the two fishes, he looked up to heaven, and blessed and break the loaves. And he gave them to his disciples to set before them those that were sitting in the groups. And the two fishes he also divided among them all. So, he looked up to heaven, a common gesture of prayer. Christ himself prayed. He prayed as a blessing for the food, yes, but he also prayed for God the Father's all-sufficiency. You see, when we accept the sufficiency of Christ, the all-sufficiency of Christ, in our lives, to meet our needs, then that is the same as accepting the all-sufficiency of God. Because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three, the Holy Trinity, they are one in the same while being three distinctly separate people. So when we look up to heaven, when we read that, we have Christ looking up as a common gesture of prayer where he is reaching up to his Father for the all-sufficiency of heaven to work a miracle with us to open a door, to provide a way. In verse 42, No one was turned away. No one was asked what denomination they were. No one was asked whether they were Jew or Gentile. No one was asked if they were a Samaritan. No one was asked if they were a Roman. All that were present were filled. Five loaves and two fish provided more than enough food for several thousand people. Now we see and we hear the, the, the preaching and the teaching of the miracle of the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000. Well, this was a sign. This was an example of His grace being sufficient to enable His disciples to minister to the needs of man. Now let me say that again. This was an example of the grace of Jesus Christ, of the grace of God, being sufficient to enable his disciples to minister to the needs of man. That very same grace that I spoke to you about earlier was seen and experienced right here in this very passage and it can be experienced in your life I have experienced it in my life 
I have experienced the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I have experienced His grace being manifest in material needs, not wants, but needs inside of my life. I have seen God's grace minister to me through other preachers, through other Christians. I have been I have been an example, a living example of the glorious wonder of the grace of God making work inside of my life and doing things in my life that no education, uh, that no amount of money, uh, that no type of materialism, that no fame or fortune could open up a door to. But praise God, His grace opens up those doors. His grace. His grace has opened doors in the lives of others for me to minister to them as well. I wish time would give us enough to, to go into those details right now. But they don't. You'll just have to take my word for it. I have experienced God's grace as being sufficient personally. And I have experienced God's grace being sufficient to open doors in others. So that in the first case, I could be ministered to. And in the next one, that I could minister to others. All were filled. I have been filled and I have helped fill. I have eaten from the twelve baskets and I have given the twelve baskets to be eaten from. Now what a blessing it is to experience Jesus in this way. In verse 43, we talk more about the 12 baskets. And I want you to think about these 12 baskets because you see, each of the, the, the apostles collected 12 baskets of leftovers. If this was a picture or an example of the sufficiency of Christ. And if all of this was a picture of grace, being able to uh, being able to enable the disciples to minister to the needs of man, and they walked away with 12 baskets, that's one basket for each of the apostles, is it not? Well, perhaps each of these apostles were carrying with them a visible reminder of the power of God. You can carry with you a visible reminder of the power of God through this grace, through this working of a miracle, through it opening a door for you to share the gospel or through God opening a door in your life for someone to share it with you. Grace. 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 God's grace. In verse 44 we see that there were 5,000 men not counting women and children. An untold number of people 
experience the all-sufficiency of Christ through the grace of God and the hands, the hands of the ministers of Christ. I stand before you this evening as a minister of Jesus Christ. I also stand before you this evening as an example of the grace of God. I stand before you offering the grace of God. We have broken the bread of life. I lay it before you right now. And I ask you, what will you do with it? What will you do with the bread of life that has been broken and placed before you as the Word of God? And how will it play out in and through your life as sufficiency, through grace, through the power of the Word of God? Will you be ministered to? Will you become a minister for God to work and to reach out to others to share that grace? It is an untold number out there that will that will be there to experience it. They will they will come together. They will come to partake of it. Will you share? Saint, will you share, will you be the minister that passes out this grace? Those of you that are listening that are struggling, will you open up your heart for grace? Will you come to the Word of God through the grace of God and be saved by faith through that grace. That's the first step. Take your hands, reach into that basket and get filled with the grace of God. Saving grace is that first step saving grace. Let's pray. Lord God, as I bow before you, I thank you for the word that you have given. Lord, I pray that grace abounds. I pray that it abounds in my life, in my family's life. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would continue to be ministers of sharing your Word. Lord, there are those out there who need, save, need salvation. There are those out there who need the grace of God, the saving grace of God in their lives. There are those out there who need to practice the particular grace of God to touch them in areas that they, they need to grow and develop in. Lord God, we all need your mercy. We are desperate. We are 
living in a depraved world. We are a depraved human living in a depraved world. We're not deserving of anything. But as your servant, I stand before you this afternoon thankful for everything that you have done, that you have shared, that you have given within my life. Walk with us throughout the remainder of this week. Because Heavenly Father, I know your grace is sufficient in everything that we face. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being part of the Inspiring Word Bible broadcast this week. Please feel free to share this with your friends, with your neighbors, with those on your pay on your Facebook pages. Um, any way, shape, form, or fashion this week. We'll be sure to give God the glory for it. Thank you, and until next week, may God bless you. It's my prayer.